0: All right, so so I got my man Mitz on the phone right now. Mitz, how are you? What's up, bud? (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) So um, basically, I'm talking to all my friends because I'm doing uh, uh, the next chapter for my podcast. is going to be Family Tree, all my New York Harker friends, and talking about moving to New York in 88 and meeting everybody. Um, Do you remember when we met, what year it was? Um,
1: 97. I Mm -hmm. could tell you the story. Tell me, please. My first show with Crown of Thorns we opened for H2O in Richmond, Virginia at Twisters. Twisters? Yeah. And we and we left. This is my first time I ever played with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they were supposed to pick me up at like, you know, 10 in the morning. Yeah. And they didn't get me until like like three or four in the afternoon in New York.
0: And wow. I'm sitting there in
1: my head. I'm like, I know how long it takes to get to Richmond from New York. So I'm thinking to myself, like, how do these guys do this? Like, what's – they have some, like – is there some spaceship they're going to put me? How are we going to make this show? <laughs> and we literally rolled up. We literally rolled up. Like, with, if we rolled up five minutes later, the promoter was going to cancel us. And you, were, you guys were out there in the parking lot waiting for us. With the gear set up, we just ran up on stage and played on you guys' equipment.
0: Wow. And the first thing,
1: Ezek was like, yo, this is Mitz. This is the you know, new guitar player. Yo, yo! What's up, man? You're like welcome to the New York uh, hardcore family. Welcome to the family. <laughs> I remember that right off the bat.
0: Holy shit! And so, and so that was the beginning of realizing that, that bands don't get the shows on time ever.
1: Oh my god! I mean, that was that was my the beginning of my crucifix. Uh, not Crucif- What do they call that? Your uh, trial by fire.
0: So that that was your first show with Crown of Thorns with with us. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And were you in, were you in uh, bands before
1: that? I had been in bands before that, but locally, you know, nothing that. The the distinction that I always give to it is I, I that was the first band I played in where I didn't have to beg my friends to come yeah. to have an audience. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So were you so where were you born? Were you born in Long Island?
1: Yeah, Huntington, Long Island, Huntington, New York. Okay, born and raised.
0: And so, and so, how were you in school? And how did you find hardcore music?
1: Um, I was. How was I in school? Yeah, I did you get good
0: grades? Grad did you like school? Did you graduate? I
1: was. I was. You know what? I was. I was smart enough to get by without doing any work Um, Uh. (laughs) because I had a bad work ethic with that stuff. All I wanted to do was play guitar and play bass. Okay. And I would come home from school and I wouldn't do any of my homework. I'd just go down into the basement and I'd just practice for three hours before dinner and then three hours after dinner until my parents told me to shut up. Wow. Um, Hardcore, (laughs) hardcore. I, 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 I always tell the story that, I thought I was into hardcore by listening to like SOD and, and DRI and this crossover stuff. And then yeah. my 10th grade year of high school, uh, or ninth grade, I'm sorry, um, this dude moved out from the city um, to our school. And I was past him in the hallway and he was wearing like a Metallica shirt or something. And it caught my eye and we started talking. Yeah. And, um, you know, because I was a metalhead first. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think any bones about that. Yeah. But um, so, he, I told him, he's like, What are you listening to? And we were comparing music. And I told him that I liked hardcore. And he says, Oh, well, what hardcore do you like? And I mentioned those bands I just said. Yeah. He's like, Oh, that's not hardcore. And he had come from the city. So he'd been going to like, you know, hardcore shows and CB's matinees since he was like 12. Yeah. So he's like, Oh, no, you got to listen to this and you got to listen to this. And he gave me the Chromex and he gave me the Agnostic Front.
0: Wow. And,
1: and, you know, that's where it went from there.
0: So what, what, what got you into playing guitar? Like, what inspired you to start playing and how
1: old were you? Well, I wanted to play, I started playing bass when I was like 12. Um, wow. And then my father, my, my mother got my father an acoustic guitar for his birthday one year. And once that got in the house, I started stealing it, taking it down <laughs> into the basement and fiddling around on it. So, I mean, guitar was my second instrument after the bass. But I still, it's kind of like only maybe a year or two later. So I've played the both instruments most of my life.
0: Yeah, but what inspired you even pick it up? Was it something you're listening to? Like what? Is it only just because it was in your house and your dad had? Let me check that. No, out. No,
1: I mean, no, I wanted to play. Well, I played the bass because I was listening to all my my heavy metal stuff, was yeah. you know Iron Maiden and Metallica and Black yeah. Sabbath and all that. Yeah. And then as I moved over to guitar, you know, I was just it, it was more fun. You know, when you're not jamming with a band. I was playing in bands then, too, you know, like garage bands and stuff. But yeah. when you're playing on your own, it's more fun to, to play on the guitar. Yeah, I think most bass players would tell you that. You know, if they're sitting around the house, they, they're going to strum away on the guitar.
0: Yeah. So, so. so you graduated from high school. Right. And what, what, was, what, what did you want to do? Like, Did you go to college? What was your goal?
1: I went to, I went to school for audio engineering, like a trade school. Yeah. And then after that, um, I ended up working in a recording studio. Um, that was one of the, one of the bigger houses in the world. It was, um, studio called skyline studios. Okay. And at the time they were one of the big four, they used to call it the big four in New York, which was, um, the hit factory yep. skyline power station. And the other one being maybe Sony, okay. which was CBS before that, those were like kind of the big, big studios. And I, I was working there. Um, but it really wasn't, you know. I, I didn't have the motivation to really get to where you needed to get. Yeah. Um, as an engineer, you know, I, I went into it saying I want to be an audio engineer, and then I started working. And you know, when you start off in any place, you're you're the bottom of the barrel, your entry level. So I was just answering phones and making coffee and you know cleaning the place. Yeah. During the sessions, and then. Once I saw the, the what, what it took the you know you have to start off as an assistant after that and on the sessions you're an assistant engineer yeah. and you learn every, you learn the tricks of the trade from the, the real engineers and then you go out on your own eventually hopefully um, you know these guys and women above me were they were working like hundred hour weeks hundred twenty hour weeks I was watching these people put in these these time cards and what I started ended up doing was Instead of getting into that and working as an assistant, I just stayed where I was making the coffee and answering the phones. But I'd sneak bands in at night and do them and work on them my own, you know, on my yeah. own. Yeah. Um, I brought in Sub Zero, um, oh, shit. who were friends of mine at the time. And it's a, a funny story. So we were working on a, a song, and uh, Richie Kennan, their guitar player, was playing a part. And he had his idea for how he thought it should go. And I had my idea for how I thought it should go. <laughs> and we were kind of, you know, having a creative argument over it. And I kept taking the guitar from him and showing him, like, no, I'll play it like this. And then he'd take the guitar back and, and uh, tell him, you know, play what he wanted to play. <laughs> and uh, Lou, their singer, was kind of over on the other side of the room working on his lyrics. And he looks up and he starts barking at me. He's like... Look how he's always got to get his mitts on that guitar. Mm. He's always got to get his mitts on that guitar. He's just breaking (laughs) my balls. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then later on that night, we finished the session and we went downtown for some beers. And we're hanging out and I'm shooting pool and I hear him start yelling mitts, mitts. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy saying? He's like, I'm going to call you mitts from now on. And then it just stuck. Holy
0: (laughs) shit. That's an awesome story. I had no idea that's where it came from. That was
1: 1993 so
0: that is amazing Lou Lou DiBella shout out to Lou DiBella man
1: and I I felt like I was learning more that way even though that really wasn't much of a career down the road because you really had to learn from the better you know the top level producers and engineers yeah to go anywhere so I you know and eventually the studio ended up closing um they went they kind of got caught up in that in the 90s like the whole technology thing set in where big studios kind of went the way of the dinosaur because mm-hmm. you had pro tools coming in and you had all this home software and you could make, you know, it's the way you are now, you know, you make a record, you can do 98% of it in your house. Totally. You know, so those studios, they all, they all either had to like change with the times and, or, but most of them went out of business. Yeah. So, um, so then after that, I, I, I went into what I'm kind of doing now, which I've done throughout, even during my music career, um, I'm a stagehand. I, I was doing stagehand work and working in live production and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Kinda that seems, led yeah. that yeah, and then that led up to me um ended up getting a chance to uh audition for uh Ezek and Crown of Thorns, and then the whole music thing took off from there.
0: Yeah, so then so then so obviously that was your first show with Crown of Thorns, the first time we met. <laughs> so then after that, I mean you started playing shows and touring, then how soon after that did you go
1: from Crown of Thorns to Scarhead? So Crown of Thorns we did for about a year, I want to say, yeah. maybe a little less. And then Ezek kind of brainstormed with Tim Borer and and Vaughn Lewis and them about making Scarhead, which had just been like a side project until then,
0: yeah, the EP making out, yeah.
1: Scarhead into a real band and making, you know, making a, a whole a record and, you know, sending us out on tour. And, you know, those guys on the management side wanted to really push it Yeah, and they had a vision for it. And, um, so every it was like it was me um playing guitar, we had Isaac singing, obviously, yeah, um goat on drums, um, and Aaron playing bass, and the only person who ended up not going immediately over to Scarhead was Aaron, so me and goat were, uh went right into Scarhead, and you know that became the original or the first lineup of the the full yeah. band scarhead thing,
0: yeah,
1: um, and that was in ninety eight.
0: Wow, and some of th- and those tours are pretty crazy, too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah uh, You'd uh, have to
1: have a whole separate podcast for yeah.
0: that <laughs> It took years off your life. Um took years off my life, made me gray,
1: <laughs> as everybody knows. If anybody looks at my silver hair, that's where it came
0: from. It all started from the Scarhead tour. Um nope. So then, shit, so we were playing shows, obviously H2O was playing shows with Scarhead and with Crown of Thorns, and we, that's where we, we were crossing past me and you. And then... Um, and then, house, then, then when did Madball? sorry, I was talking to Matt Henderson yesterday about it, actually, and Freddie, we talked about it too. I think it was yep. around Hold It Down, after Hold It Down, correct?
1: Yeah, after Hold It Down came out, um, they were having some lineup problems, yep. and, and it kind of got them a little frustrated, and they, they decided they were going to break the band up. And yeah. <clears throat> when, that, when, that, when they were talking about that, I remember reaching out to Hoya and telling him like, yo, like, you know, Scarhead's not doing that much right now, I've got time, if you need someone to play... I'm here for you. You know, let me know, let me know, let me know. Yeah. And at first they were reluctant. They just didn't, you know, they were done with it. And then they decided they were going to do a last tour. Um they got offered to go to Europe and do like a final tour. Yeah. And they reached out to me and asked me if I would play for them for that. I was like, "Oh, absolutely. This is great." So I did a little bit of touring with the band in 01. Yeah. Um right before what was to, supposed to be the breakup and the end of the band. And I finished out the last couple of tours. Like we did a Europe tour. We played CB. Um, and we, we did a, a Japan tour. Yeah. And uh, and then the band broke up. And uh was broken up for about a year. Yeah. Maybe even a little less. And during that time, Scar had kind of dwindled out a little bit where, uh, you know, just we were having lineup issues. And I remember yeah. he's that calling me, telling me, like, yeah, that's it. We're done with this. This isn't. Going anywhere, mm-hmm. and um, right around that time, Freddie reached out and was like, "Hey, we're we're getting the band back together, you know, and I wow. wanted you to join." So, uh, what
0: year was that? Uh, was that two thousand?
1: That was two thousand two. Yeah, that was right. like the second half of two thousand two. Yeah, and uh, and uh, took off from there. Because I know <laughs> we, did ha- still...
0: we did Hazen Street in two thousand three. I remember that too, because it was
1: Cause Hazen it... Street. You guys recorded in 'o three, and then the year of endless touring was 2004
0: 2004 yeah so what was, was that does was that transition a big transition going from playing scarhead and madball as far as guitar playing wise and the riffing guitar
1: playing wise, it wasn't that much different I mean, yeah you know madball was definitely you know i'm not gonna sit here and talk shit on anybody but madball was definitely a little more organized than some of my former yeah uh <laughs> yeah. bands and what but i think they would agree with that as well yeah um you know, and, 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 you know, Madball was, was a machine at that point. They had already been going for six, seven years of just nonstop.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Full going time. Around the
1: world. So they were yeah. in the groove and, and, you know, that was the kind of, to be honest, I mean, that was the kind of structure I had always been looking for was, yeah, you know, like I want to, you know, play shows and I love, I love having fun and I love the, the, the party aspect of it, but it's like, you know, some of that Scarhead stuff was, I, I, I wouldn't trade any of that Scarhead experience for, for anything. It was no. the, some, some of the greatest times of my life. But sure. It definitely put some mileage on me. It was, it was stress. Yeah. And I stressed. And, and, and to be honest, you know, the guys will tell you that when I was on those Scarhead tours, that was the first time I'd ever been on the road. It was the first time I'd been away from home for any extended wow. period of time. And in the middle of all that chaos, man, I cracked. I, I had a I had a rough go of it the first couple of tours. Yeah, it took me a little while to learn how to pace myself. Yeah, it took me a little while to learn how to just keep your head straight in that kind of a situation and not yeah. and not not lose your mind. It was you know.
0: I I also discussed it with Maddie too in Scrum. There's this you know p- part of that being in a band and also being part of the New York scene. I don't know if it's only that scene. There's also this New York kind of uh, you know, tough love you get from your friends in New York too, like the ball breaking and the got to your games and finding your weakness oh, and fucking yeah. with you. So that doesn't help either. Let alone it's your first time out there and you're green and you're on tour, you are getting your balls yep. broken. You know what I mean? Like, like all but that. That's a,
1: but that's also a great life lesson. 100%. I think that I think that today's culture of like anti-bullying and sensitivity and no one's allowed to offend anybody that just creates weaker people, man. I, you know, like y- y- you get your balls broke. You get tough love; it makes you a stronger person. It definitely and you realize at the key. end of the day that those people aren't trying to hurt you; they're just they're giving you a hard time. It's just you know, it, it's out of love. If anything, you know, like you said, tough love.
0: Yeah, from your um, friends, and, and, and they yeah. have you back. They have you. They, they, one second they're fucking breaking your oh balls, God, and, the te- have, yeah. and seconds later they have your back forever. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So it's like, I feel like yep. that's a really New York. Maybe maybe because I only it happened to me in New York. It's like this real kind of like tough love, like like man up type shit. I got that because I didn't get that growing up because I didn't have a father figure. But I went to New York and met all these dudes and they were like, they came from a different world and different ch- grow, uh, childhood than I did. And they had a different edge to them. And I love, I, I love that. I realized now looking back on it, it really helped shape who I am and also gave me some tough skin for sure. Oh, um, yeah. So, so that alone, like that, and then going out there for the first time, um, I was talking to Matt Henderson about yesterday, his first tour was in a van and then Roger got deported. Then he went out there for like six weeks and, Fucking stand in squats and shit. Like it really was a hard first tour, but after you did that, you kind of can, you know, survive anything, you know? Um, sure. They put you through the ringer like you're fucking boot camp. Um, sure. So then Madball, Ball, yeah. Then you started writing with Mad Ball and making those fucking awesome records and ended up touring them for like 15 years, right? That, that went from 15.
1: Yeah. Six, 16 years. Wow. 16 years. Four records, a couple of EPs, and uh, 16 years worth of tours.
0: So when, when did you realize that? When did you feel like wow? This is like my this is my career. Like I'm doing music for a living. This is, but I always feel like you you always had work work ethic too. And I think you worked in between tours also. You weren't just music. yeah. yeah
1: I, I kept the career going. I kept the career going as it was. You know, as we were going. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I honestly, I, honestly, it felt pretty early on. It felt like wow. This is this is what we're doing now. This is what I do. Yeah. You know, it was. Um. You know, we were doing tours and making records, and 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 I I adjusted to that pretty quick.
0: Yeah. I mean, it became, like, a really full-time, like, even even now, even you're not there anymore, Madball still is not, it's like a, they're like a nonstop band that tour, like, you, you were always Absolutely. traveling for uh, weeks at a time. We Be- did,
1: I remember one year, we did, we did over, like, 170 shows in a year one Damn. year. Um, you know, and, and so, uh, it, it, you know, that wow. still gives you whatever, that's like, whatever, almost 100, you know, that's yeah. less than half the year, and there's bands that, there's bands that, you know, I'll tell you, like, Hatebreed probably smoked that. You know, yeah, there's a band a too, yeah. in their early years. I'll bet you they topped 250. Terror, um, too.
0: Terra is a lot too, I man. Terra tour, Tours nonstop. But yeah.
1: You know, 170 shows is a lot of shows. Uh, yeah. You know, we were we were we weren't home for a long time. I and mean, we were doing well up until up until like the late 2000s, we were doing the tours like everybody did. We were doing the three and four week tours. Yeah. And then uh, you know, we kind of modified it later on to go to all the same places as everybody else, but we started doing more like humane style you know 10 days 12 <laughs> days yeah
0: <laughs> that's what Freddie. freddy said the europe tour in a van can take years off your life that's why they're like it's absolutely brutal. It's so my brutal. first
1: my first europe tour with scarhead we did five weeks in a van damn and let me tell you like for anybody that's never toured you reach a point on a tour like that where you got all five or six or how many you guys there were. Yeah. We're all sitting in the van. We're all wide awake and no one's saying a word because <laughs> so we've talked about everything, everything there is to talk about. Yeah, fried There's too. not a subject that we haven't covered on that five-week tour. Yeah. We've been through it all. So you're just sitting there staring out the window. There's nothing left to discuss.
0: And people think it's like so glamorous, like you're on tour, and it's it's, obviously the shows are great. That 45 minutes to an hour per night is incredible feeling. There's nothing like that. But that 23 hours leading up to it, man, it can be really brutal, like trying to eat and sleep and fucking
1: And, and on that level, on that level, that's obviously the big biggest example of the of it not being glamorous, right? Yeah. But I'll even go so far as to say if you're in if you're in U2. It's still not as glamorous as people think. It's still okay. fucking work. Yeah. Those guys still got yeah. to travel to some place that's way far from their home. They got to exist in conditions that aren't in their home. I don't care if you're yeah. in a six-star hotel. Yeah. It ain't your house. Yeah, And even if you have your family with you, you're still not in your house. So the, the, yeah. the, these guys that are billionaire rock stars, they, it's still work. It's yeah. still work. Yeah, there's champagne and helicopters and – You know, and celebrities and all that. But they're still working.
0: Private Jets. I I read something, too, that, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but Bono, after he goes on tour, he goes in a hotel. His wife says, go to this hotel for, like, a day or two to, like decompress from tour before, <laughs> before he gets back home to real life. Cause it's fantasy and reality, man. Like when you're on tour, like yep. you, all you have to do is sleep all day. You can stay up all night, sleep on the bus yep. or whatever, and then play a show. When you get back home, it's back to reality. You got to fucking, you, gotta, you gotta drive in society. You have to pay your mortgage. You have to drive your kids to school. It's like, you go back to work. It's like, it's totally like night and day.
1: Absolutely. And you know, the one thing, the one thing I'll say, and I, you know, you, you can understand this too. Cause you guys have been on, all levels you know you guys did vans all the way up to tour buses, yeah when you when you 're the the level of what our bands all are and were you appreciate the good things more than if it's if you're just if you're one of these bands that just pops off on your first record and you 're in a tour bus every night of your life for the rest of your career and you 're flying in places and this that and the other thing you don 't appreciate it as much yeah when when we were doing these mad ball tours, we would do States in a van, but when we get to Europe, a lot of times we'd be in a tour bus. And man, do you appreciate that bus? Oh yeah, dude. When you've when you just got out of a van tour. You know, you really, you know, it it really I'm very grateful for the level that that the band was at when I was in it, and that we weren't, you know, there was those ups and downs that made you appreciate, you know, same thing like you play a VFW hall for for thirty kids in the Midwest somewhere, yep. and then two weeks later, you're on a stage in Europe playing a festival for twenty five thousand people. Hundred percent. You know, I wouldn't yeah. want to play for twenty five thousand people every night. I agree. At least for the, the gratification of it, obviously, yeah. The, yeah. The money would be the money would be a little uh, <laughs> uh, thing to console you, but yeah. you know, for the for the excitement of it, it would it would lose its novelty if you played yeah. that stuff every single night.
0: Was there was there any point in your life where you like? i i mean obviously now um we'll get to that but like even earlier on you were you like worried about your future or worried about a plan b and stuff
1: um you know what i always yes because if you don't stress about that stuff you're not human exactly you have to you you always have to be thinking about that kind of thing what are you going to do after the band yep um but i always just kind of put myself to bed at night thinking like well you know I th- I'd like to think I've remained cool with everybody I've crossed paths with or I've tried to be at yeah. least. And when when the time's over, you know, I'm going to move into something and I'm going to take advantage of, you know, what the friendships I've made and, yeah. and, the, and the connections I've made. And, and, you know, it's 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 all cumulative. Everything you do in your life amounts to tomorrow. Your next yeah. day is a product of everything you've done and every day you've lived before you. So. Yeah, you
0: made so many wonderful friendships and everything all around the world being a musician. You meet, meet so many people. And, and I know I see you go to Europe and stuff and go to, the, go to the football games over there. You have a lot of friends over there still. So, what, 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 what was it like for you being in the band for 16 years and all of a sudden you're not in it no more and you chose to move on? Like those first couple of weeks, was it weird? Did, you, did, did you, do you miss playing? Do you miss touring?
1: You know, I, I miss I miss seeing. I definitely miss people. Yeah. I miss the people that I don't, that I don't get to see as often. Yeah. Um. But you know, obviously, there's the good parts that you miss, and then there's the the t- you know what we talked about the, tedious, the rigors of yeah. touring.
0: Yeah. And all that yeah. stuff
1: you don't miss that you know like yeah I think it's you know it's kind of nice to when somebody out of my family tries to tell me oh we're gonna get together for um this get together on this date the three you know and your family tells you something like that three months down the line. I can be like, yeah, I'm in, yeah, count me in. I'll awesome. be there yeah, because you awesome. don't, you know, but where, where, when you're in, when you're in a band, with a touring cycle, you don't know what you're doing three months from now. No, you got to say, Hey, listen, you got to talk to me about three weeks before it. Cause I, I won't know. Yeah. You know? So true. those are the things, those are the things I don't miss, but you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I adjusted pretty quick. I, 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 you know, and we'll get to, I'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm, I'm still in the game here. You know, I'm not, yeah. um, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm working, um, with bands now. I'm producing, yeah, producing music yeah. and things like that. Awesome. And I've done some traveling with that in the, uh, since, let's see, I've been out of the band now about a year and a half.
0: I saw you went to um, UK for that too, right? Yeah. UK is, that's on my own
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I'm, I'll try to get over there and catch some uh, sports.
0: I thought you were producing over there too.
1: Yeah. No, um, okay. I just finished, um, in November into December, um, I produced a band from Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh wow and um on the way back, I stopped through London just to just to pay a visit. So you, went, you produced them in Israel?
0: yeah, I produced wow, a band the band's dude. called the
1: band's called Eternal Struggle, okay um, and they reached out to me about a year and a half ago, maybe a little more yeah and um and talked about you know they had heard some of the other stuff I'd produced and they were interested in, uh, and awesome. everything didn't. Came- came together it was a really cool experience
0: yeah it's cool i've never been there. that sounds awesome so yeah you're doing so now you're still doing the, you're doing the stage stuff and you're producing now which is awesome yep um so and so so that transition like you said you said you, are, you, you were kind of mentally prepared for it obviously because you planned on you know making the move and not touring anymore so obviously you're ready just to step into that back into the new back into life i guess you know
1: exactly yeah and I, you know and i'm also i'm also not done playing i mean I'm at a stage in my life where I need to move forward into you know things that are more lucrative that are going to get me you know more security down the road it's as we get older and things like that. But yeah. I'm you know I haven't hung up the guitar. Um, I'm, I'm sure still producing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm still you know if something comes along, I'm still writing a lot of music. Yeah. Um, I may put a project together one of these days and see what see what happens with it. Um, I played a, I played a show last summer. Um, I did like a half a set with um, suicidal tendencies. Oh, really? That was my first time on a stage in like six no months. No way! That's crazy. I, I'm surprised I, I, you didn't hear about that. that so, was, how many uh, how many
0: songs you play with them?
1: They played that House of Vans, right? Okay. Um, and they had had a guitar player quit on them like a month earlier. Yeah. And they got um they got Ben Weinman from uh, Dillinger. Okay. Right? Oh man, if I'm fucking his yeah, band up, I'm going be being name, embarrassed. Yeah. But I know his name better than I know his band. Yeah. But um, they had him filling in. They had him to to you know play the guitar parts for the yeah. next bunch of tours. But they had they had agreed to play House of Vans in Brooklyn, um, and play their first record
0: oh, like cover to cover,
1: like one of those deals. Yeah. And so Mike hit me up and was like, "Hey, you know this guy's got his hands full learning our set." he might not have time to learn all these songs. Can you learn some songs and play some of them with us? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. And uh, a week went by and I hadn't heard anything back from him. And I'm thinking, oh, all right, this thing's you know, they got, they got it covered. And the night before (laughs) the night before the (laughs) show, Mike texts me with this list of like five, six songs. He's like, Hey, can you learn these? I'm like, Oh Oh, shit. shit. All right, here we go. So, uh, yeah, even the even some of the biggest bands in the world, they they kind of some <laughs> shit still goes on the floor. So fly. you learned
0: five songs, six songs off the first album.
1: Yeah, so Damn. I had to learn those, and I just you know sat up all night just playing, playing, playing. Wow, you killed yeah, it! I'm dark, sure it was it so dark. fun, dude. Right? Yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. I mean, wow. we you know Madball toured with Suicidal on a couple occasions over the years, yeah. and one of them being like over in Europe back in '03, like early on, and I, I kind of hit it off with Mike. Yeah. Um, he's a big hockey fan, and um, awesome. I think hockey was the thing we ended up bullshitting the most about, yeah, but we've stayed in touch, and you know, it just you know it was kind of a bug out. that's fun play
0: yeah, that's amazing, man, that's awesome, so
1: these, he like, walks these in. go ahead. He walks in the dressing room before the show, and he starts breaking my balls. He's like, "If you fuck up, you know that's it. You're out. You know, I'm finding you if you fuck up, whatever." And then I waited a little while, and I got him back right before we went on. I'm standing there with my guitar, and I look at him. I'm like, "Mike, Mike." He leans in, all serious. I'm like, "Do me a favor, man. This is this New York. I got a lot of friends here. Like, so try not to fuck this up, man. You're gonna make me look bad."
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Um. So th- those are relationships you're talking about, you met you met them through playing music and you continue to stay in friends. I love that shit. It's awesome.
1: Absolutely, hundred percent. That's
0: amazing. So do you do you feel like now, like like when you when now you now you like working and you, obviously producing and um still playing guitar, but not like in a band touring. Um, do you feel like you have not that you have something over the normal person, but you you're a world traveler and you've seen a lot of things and experienced a lot of fun playing music. That a lot of people don't even leave their town. And I feel like you have that with oh, So is that is that something... Obviously, it's something special that we all have, but...
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I said that for years. Like, you know, if I, I treated every place I went in the world like it was the last time I was going to be there. Yeah. I did that every single year, no matter what year it was that I was out on the road. Yeah. That's why I always, you know... Ask the guys. Like, I'm the guy that always was like, hey, let's go check this town out. Let's go walk in to, uh go see this. You've seen me on tour. Yeah, like, I'll go sightseeing in too. the U.S. Yeah. Like, hey, man, like, I've never been to this town before. Who yeah. knows if I'll ever be back. Let's I go love see that. This stupid, whatever, tourist attraction. Let's mm-hmm. go do it, you
0: know? Yeah. No, I love that. And so now, like, now, obviously you're a grown-ass man and um, everything, you know, you're a kid at heart and, you know, you always experience it. Do you feel like, a lot, of, a lot of those values that you learn from this music and everything definitely you take into your 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 normal life now. I guess in
1: society. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, you know, the lessons I learned on the road, the lessons I learned from being in bands with all these guys, made me who I am today. Yeah. There's, that's there's no doubt about that. I, I would be, I would be a thousand percent less rounded of a person had I never done that. If I just stayed home, you know. And that's, that's yeah. the, talk about being worldly, like you. All of us. Yeah. We are all worldly, different cultures
0: and foods. And yeah,
1: one of the things about, you know, we got, you, you don't want to touch into politics nowadays, but like, we've got this whole like xenophobia going on with, with America where, you know, you you have people that are like, you know, just the whole left wing, right wing politics thing. And you get, you know, people are almost proud to be closed minded. You know, you tell people like, you tell people like, Hey, you know, they have healthcare over in, uh, in uh denmark and like, fuck denmark america you know you hear <laughs> that out of somebody yeah you know and sure. that's somebody that's that's somebody that's never left their fucking town ever they're you scared man yeah man. they'll spend their whole lives they'll spend their whole lives in their tiny little world you know you and me and all of our family here we've been all over the world we've seen cultures we've seen yeah we've seen different opinions we've seen the results of you know ways certain things can turn out we've yeah. seen you know you look at you know, just look at some of the Eastern Europe stuff we've been through where there was a war through there 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, for that kind of stupid intolerance bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's like it 100%. changes your opinion. It really changes the way you look at things.
0: Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I mean, well, Matt Ball, obviously, thank you for what you've done with music and obviously our friendship. And, and, and Mad Ball has done a lot for so many people. And I was saying to Matt Henderson yesterday how special that band is, how this... There's only one mad ball, like the rhythm section and the guitar playing, and the, you guys live is untouchable. With, yep. you, with you and Matty, I just
1: saw them um, two two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> they played in Queens, and I went down. They oh, sounded
0: great. Oh, that's awesome! So, what is that sounded like? Great. Is that the first time you've seen them without since you're not in the band? No,
1: I might be a third time. I've oh, seen wow, them. awesome! I, I've gone. You know what? I had to miss the one that they uh they played with Cypress Hill in the fall. Oh yeah, I saw that. Cool. And I had to work that night. Yeah, <laughs> that's back to that's a back to reality statement. <laughs> yeah, I got to work. So but, what's, uh, what's
0: it like seeing Madball? With you with you not on stage? Is it weird? Was it weird at first or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course it's weird, but I mean, yeah. I'm also I'm also pumped. You know, like yeah. you know, my respect for that band came long before I was in the band. Hundred you know, percent. When we when we did Scarhead tours with Madball. Yep. I always told those guys, whenever Scarhead would start sounding good, I would think, "Wow, we're really, we're really in the groove right now." Yeah. We'd play a show with Madball, and I'd look at everybody in Scarhead, and go, "See, back to the fucking rehearsal room." Wow. We got That's the level we gotta sound. Yeah. At. So and you, you know were, I was it, a fan, man. I, it's it's fun seeing them play.
0: Yeah, and you, and you fucking, you 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 were great in Madball and your guitar playing and everything. And even, when you Thank play you. Even when you play with Hazen Street, even when you play with H Two O. Like Thank you. your style and your playing is super tight and
1: yeah. Um, let's not forget, I was in the I was H two O six member.
0: Yeah, dude, for, for a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of tours, seven years. Yeah, man, damn. it. <laughs> so H two O Scarhead, Crown of Thorns, Hazen Street, Madball, it's pretty fucking good, man. Thank you, man. But uh, well, I'm ha- I'm happy you're happy you're doing good and I'm proud of you and you're living your life and I know you're still producing and still still playing the guitar and, and you all know, you're, you're you're one of the great musicians from our generation you know what i mean there was different generations of hardcore before h2o and madball and you're one of them and i think it's awesome how it just kind of happened organically with you too from just joining crown of thorns and shit it's crazy wait, wait one more thing how did you meet ezak tb and being crown of thorns
1: oh that's a funny story <laughs> uh you remember little tony yeah man yeah little tony who was in scarhead with us yeah um Little Tony knew knew Isaac okay. because Little Tony played in Sub Zero for a while. and Sub Zero right. played shows with Crown of Thorns. That's right. And uh, it took me. I always say it took me three tries to get into Crown of Thorns. <laughs> the first time. The first time they had Maddie Boy playing bass and Maddie, I we remember seeing. I knew Maddie and, and he was telling me, "Oh, they these guys they need a guitar player." And I'm like, "Oh, great! I'm ready to go, dude. I learned this shit in a day." And I yeah. fucking went home. I got the record. And I learned it. Yeah and i was thinking okay cool i'm in this band and then it fizzled out like they ended up getting i think like Nikki x or okay i think Nikki might have been the guy and then so that didn't work out i was all bummed out and then the second time it was like maddie's like yo we're going to japan they need somebody definitely and i'm like holy shit i'm like figuring out how i'm going to get my passport Mm -hmm. oh man this guy's telling me whatever and then (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to throw him under the bus but it's not a bad story i actually appreciate the life lesson but i finally got on the phone with goat and i'm like hey man i'm the guitar player i'm ready to go and he had he had um dean rispler that was his boy and he had dean lined up to do that tour oh shit And Goat, goat i remember goat on the phone like totally shooting me down he's like yeah yeah he's like you know well it'd be all fine and good if he would just like jump in this band and come to japan with us but uh Uh, it ain't gonna work like that we got somebody and i'm like oh man like i was crushed (laughs) and then finally on the third try they they really did need because i guess dean couldn't do it anymore yeah and um and i came down and tried out and i was by that point it was aaron playing bass and uh yeah it just went from there wow man (laughs)
0: <laughs> crazy man I'm, I'm glad that we're all still connected we we're, we're all like spread across the country and everybody's doing their thing, and we 're all connected by this music because we all came from like different families like you you were a single you're a single kid, right Yes, sir, yeah, only child, so like we all came from different backgrounds. oh no,
1: single kid, no, I have a sister I have a sister
0: oh I, th- I did not know that okay it's right oh shit how old yes. is she
1: she's uh two years younger than me so. oh,
0: okay okay, you guys pretty close still
1: uh yeah, we awesome. talked I just saw her in my uh my grandmother just turned a hundred. Holy and, uh, so shit! My sister flew in for that.
0: Damn, dude, that's fucking crazy. Hundred years old,
1: cent centarian or what centenary. What is the secret
0: to that? Holy shit!
1: Yeah, well, she's about she's about five foot one, so I think she conserved her energy.
0: Damn, <laughs> damn. Well, we all came from different backgrounds. What so I'm saying, we all and we all connected in this fucking crazy scene of outcasts and weirdos and wild people and characters with nicknames, and it's fucking amazing how we all still stayed together over shit almost 25 30 years
1: it's awesome yep and it's fun to watch the new new generations underneath us and younger than us what like write their stories? 100 percent. you know yeah there's, so there's a whole new generation of young bands out there that are doing you know doing the same thing and and you know i know a lot of them have a res- respect for what we did and, yeah. and, and but they're doing their own thing and it's it's fun to watch them live and learn like we
0: did. I love that. It's crazy that we're fucking old men and shit. And I think you're, I think you're like, are you older than me by like one month or something? couple months? I always say I you're, you're older, older than me. Than me buddy, <laughs>
1: so we won't talk about dates.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, mitz. much love to you. Um, thanks for being on the I podcast. I still feel
1: like I'm 25, by the way. So I feel not, young too,
0: too bro. I feel young too. I was telling Freddie too. he's always going to be 30 years old to me, 30 or younger. Uh, he doesn't age. Uh, yep. it, ke- it keeps you young playing music for sure too. It man. does.
1: This our scene keeps young. So. Yeah,
0: for sure. All right, Mitz, I love you, man. Thanks for your time, bro.
1: Love you, bud. Okay, bye.
0: Hey, Mitz, So, so before before you hang up, I think it was a couple more stories when wanted to tell. I tried talking to Freddie about this story the other day about a bus crashing with Hazen Street. He kind of remembered it, like me getting hit in the head with like um this, <laughs> mi- this mirror from the back of the bus. You remember that? Yeah. Half of what happened?
1: Yeah. Well, the driver fell asleep driving, and we um we. We went down. We went down into the ditch on the side of the road, and some by some miracle, we didn't tip over.
0: Damn! St-
1: I think the story was that he fell asleep, but he woke up. He didn't drive off the road because he fell asleep. He woke up and he was about to rear end one of the buses in front of us. Oh
0: shit! And he had
1: to swerve off the road so we wouldn't hit that bus. Fuck! That yeah, was, that was crazy.
0: scary as fuck. And did he get fired from that? Did we? De-
1: um, yeah, I think, I think he was gone within a couple of days.
0: Yeah, that was super sketchy.
1: I think he might've, I don't remember. So I remember we had different bus drivers. Yeah. You know what the funny thing about that guy was? All right, this is, now we'll get into a little mean spirit. Like that guy, we hated that guy. We, he was just like this big, like white trash slob looking guy. Like, you know, I'm sure there's people think that's a description of me, but whatever. I can point fingers <laughs> to <laughs> um, but he was this big hillbilly, like, you know, whatever. And yeah. every day we're like, we bug out on him. We'd be looking at each other like, yo, look at this fucking guy. Oh, I fucking hate this guy. I hate him. Everybody hated him. Was he and nice to us at all? Or no. He was like indifferent. Like yeah, he wasn't, yeah, yeah. I don't remember anything. But then I remember us, we would just, we would rail on him so bad, like with each other. Yeah. And I remember... The day before that happened, or the day that that happened, I remember coming up on the bus and he was cleaning the bus and he looked at me and he gave me this smile. And I was like, ah, like I felt bad. I'm like, this guy's all right. You know, he's doing his thing. Yeah. It made me feel like I had compassion for him. Like he's just, you know, he's out here doing his job and, you know, he doesn't hate us and we don't, you know, whatever. And I remember even maybe saying to you guys, like, Hey guys, like you know, uh, you know I feel bad for the guy. Like let's let's take it easy on him, even though he we, never, we never said any of this stuff yeah. to him. We were just we were just cutting him up in our own way behind his back. Yeah. Which is whatever. It's take it or leave it. But I remember that. So the one day I feel bad for the guy, he almost kills us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there was was there another bus incident too with the driver he had too, right?
1: Let's see. Uh, oh, so yeah, other Warped tour. I, I can tell this story without mentioning the names but there was a driver uh this is a this is a good one there was a driver from another band that we won't go into he drove for a couple other bands and we won't say his name either
0: yeah no, yeah
1: but uh one of these guys that's you know a warp tour veteran like been on warp tour since you know 1836 whatever <laughs> and um if you remember we were in seattle outside seattle we were at the Gorge. And I remember Chad, Chad Ball and Newfound had um they had they had they were gonna have like a barbecue aside from the regular warp tour barbecue. They yeah. went in on like a bunch of like meat and lunch of like party stuff yeah. with a couple other bands. And so he's like, Oh mitz, you know, come make sure you come down to the, the VIP area after the show. We're having a barbecue. So I I round up these girls we know from Seattle, and um I'm like, hey, you know, let's go down to the thing. So I go walking down there, and here's this dude at the gate. There's a kind of like a gate entrance to the, to the VIP was area. Was it like red and ropes st- hanging up or something? Yeah, there was like ropes. It was like this little low imaginary like picket fence kind yeah. of thing. It was like a fenced-in area yeah. that would be like the VIP for like the normal backstage yeah. if it wasn't a tour with 100 bands. So exactly. that day it was just like a VIP area, and it was roped off. And this dude's sitting in a, in a lawn chair at the entrance to this little area, and as I walk up, he's, he's holding like a water gun, and he's holding it, and he's like being a smart ass, and as I walk up, he, looks at, he doesn't even look at me. He just like announces uh, 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 you know, like over his breath, he says, who the fuck are you, and what the fuck do you want? Oh, and like man. I'm like i like I like I didn't even know this I like I'm like is this what not joking fuck? I'm like are you joking like it just totally caught me off guard yeah and I'm like uh I'm here for the barbecue yeah oh who invited you and now I feel like a dick because I don't want to drop names I want to be like oh this guy from this band yeah you know whatever and I'm like uh I'm like my friend Chad and he's like Chad from Newfound Glory and I'm like hey, bud, check this out. I'm out of here. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to fucking sit here and drop names to you and be like, can you please let me into your fucking little VIP area so I can go hang out with my one friend that's back there. Like, yeah. all the other guys in the other bands, I didn't know. I was just looking for the newfound guys. Exactly. So I'm just like, fuck this. I'm out of here. I take the, my friends that we're with. I'm like, let's get out of here. And We leave. And we go back up to the bus. Yeah. And I don't say nothing because I didn't want to get it, you know, we were on that tour and we were on the we best, were behavior. To be in Dude. best behavior so i wasn't gonna tell you guys i wasn't gonna say nothing i wasn't gonna go running back and be like hey guys this fucking guy and whatever but sure enough chad calls me and he's like mitch how come you where are you bud like you know how come you're not coming down i'm like yo man i'm like yeah i don't know he's like what what's wrong what's wrong so chad like gets it out of me like what happened and then Chad came back up to our bus and then everybody starts going on the war path. Like, I know. yo, fuck this guy. Like, what the fuck? And mind you, guy-
0: and mind you, we we were, we were trying to be on our best behavior you're on the Warp Tour. When you're in that, exactly. tour, if you're in New York hardcore bands, it's already all eyes on you anyway on that tour. I know Kevin Lyman for many years; has always been good to me, all of our bands. Yep. But we try to be the best behavior. Where it's not Madball, it's an H two O, it's Hazen Street, it's a new band. Be respectful. Like everybody's always been respectful. But yep. there's a stigma about New York hardcore people in general anyway. So obviously, we're friends with Chad, and um, he invites us to this barbecue thing. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. So then we, so then, <laughs> so then, like you know, we got a group of us, and, we're, and Chad's like, "Yo, we're gonna go down and talk to this guy. Like, who this guy fucking thinks he is?" So we go. We go down there. deep It was like you, me, Freddie, and i trying to think of may, maybe Mackie. But if you remember, Hoya and Dave Kennedy got locked in the bus That's by somehow. Right. <laughs> That's they right. couldn't come. And, and we always talk about to this day that it, had there been maybe one or two more of us. Oh, it might not have gone the way it did. So yeah. we were very, Royce is like, with
0: us too. Royce. Yeah.
1: Royce was with us too. Yeah. So we go down there and we get down to the thing and he's still there and we're standing around and the guy spots us and he looks at Chad and he's like, he's like, Hey, you, know, you guys, you got a problem? You know, is there a problem? And he kind of oh like steps God, to Chad. Dude. So Chad's like, Chad's like, uh, he's like, yeah, man, like, you know, my friends, I told my friends to come to this thing, you know, and you're being rude. He's like, I think you ought to learn how to fucking talk to people. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, I don't got to talk to anybody anyway I don't fucking like. Yeah, you know, I'll say whatever I fucking, all you fucking little kids on this fucking tour and your Dude. fucking little skateboards. And he's la, 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 la And he starts off. And then he looks at the group and he starts with Chad. He points at Chad, but then he points around the whole group and he goes, Yeah. He's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And he finally the last guy he points at is Freddie and he goes, fuck you. And Freddie's just Freddie's been dead quiet to this point. <laughs> yeah. And Freddie's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, hold on. You mean you talking to me? He's like, fuck me. He's like, I am not I'm not even talking to you yet. It's like, Are you serious? And the guy's, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And now the guy starts seeing the headlights.
0: He does, you know? dude.
1: When, when Freddie gets that look, it's, got it's like the it's truck. A wrap, headlights. Dude. It's
0: a wrap. Yeah. And,
1: and, the, and you just watched as Fred, you know, Freddie, Freddie, Freddie calls the guy out. Freddie's like, yeah. He's like, okay, well, how about this? The best thing he's like, how about you and me? We take a little walk behind that bus and sort this out. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's like, Come on. I think he said he's step like, over
0: those red ropes or something. Dude. And he's not
1: yelling at him. He's not yeah. yelling at him or nothing. And he starts stepping. Freddie steps over the rope. And then the guy starts backing up and backing up. Yeah. Backing dude. Up and backing did he take it? Didn't
0: he take his shirt off and his hat fell off?
1: I that was later. Oh that was after God, like we had dude. left. I think he was trying to like save face, apparently. But Freddie herbed him out so bad. Freddie just in a low tone of voice, he's like, hey man. It doesn't have to be a big thing. He's like, you and me, we just walk over there, it was amazing, and we just dude. go behind those buses, and we handle this. Yeah. And the guy, by that point, he was trying to back up onto the bus, and that's when we were all like, "Yo, let's just get the fuck out of here." He's so then, we, so,
0: yeah. So then we leave, and, and then fucking work so we was like wildfire.
1: So we leave, and yeah, exactly. There, Everybody's coming to our bus campfire.
0: Everybody's coming to bus. You know, is... we
1: hear yeah. we heard like a. It was like a increasing increments of shock like everybody's like hey what happened oh my god that guy didn't know who you guys were oh my god he feels really bad and then finally it was like the message came up to the bus like my carrier pigeon or something like he wants to come apologize because he was told i think his guys in his bands that he drove for, I told him like, "Yo, you're you're getting us into some shit that yeah, we it, don't want." It traveled
0: of. so fast, and the people coming on the bus knocking on the door. Yep. I think actually Skiba brought him to the bus. Like, yo, this you be, like Skeba was our boy. I think Skiba brought him to the bus. I want to say maybe, and the guy comes on the bus with his head down, and apologized to all of us. Yeah, and, and well, all- that
1: was it. That was the that was the culmination of it. Was was that he came up to our bus? He didn't come on the bus, but we got out and in front of our bus, he's like, "I'm nobody." I'm a fat loser. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, that's what he was told to say. And the funniest thing, if you remember the gorge, was that fucking VIP area is at the bottom of a massive hill that our bus was up on. So that guy <laughs> had to climb fucking a ten minute walk up, up fucking <laughs> Mount Everest. You want to talk about fucking uh, climbs like we were talking before, Runyon yeah. Canyon? That yeah. guy had to do Runyon Canyon to go humble himself. That was funny shit.
0: That was a crazy story. And like I was I was so happy with everybody's reactions. Everybody was disrespectful. Just there was words. It was nothing. It could have got really fucking bad, man. And it didn't. Of course. I was proud of everyone who just like, okay, I'm just gonna walk away. And like Chad's our boy, and like he invited us, and this guy doesn't know who the fuck he's talking to. And
1: (sighs) yeah. And and, yeah. Go ahead. It could have gone, it could have gone really bad. And and you know, like the reputation that we all had at that Mm -hmm. time. Um, you know, it was. Uh, we did a good job. We we, we kept it professional,
0: very professional.
1: Uh, but obviously, you know that that guy got fucking put in his place too.
0: So speaking about hills, everybody knows that I'm a, I'm, I'm like the number one promoter of running Ken. I've, I always try to bring my friends in when they come to town, and I fucking brought Mitz there one day. And Mitz <laughs> was like, "I'm down to do it." And Mitz was wearing Air Force Ones. If you know what Air Force Ones are, they're the heaviest Nike ever created, and they're not for fucking hiking. And I don't know if you were in jeans or shorts or not, but Mitts did the hill. We're like, on the second goon, I got to say, Mitz sat down for one second, and then he fucking <laughs> took a breath, and he made up the goon like it was his first time ever.
1: Oh, wait a minute. You're, you're being really too nice. <laughs> I made it up there. I made it up there. But I was, this was with you and Skiba, who That's run right. that fucking thing every day. Skiba's got long-ass legs, yeah. It, is, it Listen, I don't think – I'm not – I think I would have made it a lot easier had I not been trying to keep up with your guys' pace. True. That was what killed me was the pace you guys Sorry were going at. Sorry about that, yeah. But I did make it to the top. Of the goon. I did have to crawl, literally crawl the last 20, 30 feet. That's right, the last second <laughs> half of the goon. With you telling me, come on, bud, it's real. You're here, you're really, I'm not lying, it's almost here. And I literally, as I'm laying there in the dirt face down, I'm thinking to myself, what are my options here? i either have to i either have to make it up to the top of this hill on my own volition or uh, you know what's the only option helicopter comes takes me off this fucking mountain yeah and 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 i'll never hear the end of that the rest of my life so just the fear of the fear of being shamed the rest of my life is the only thing that got me to the top but i'm very proud that i made it because you told me that there's some people that we both know that we won't mention that are in a lot better looking shape than me. Yeah, that man. Didn't, that 100%, 100%. bitched out.
0: hundred percent. So, so I was, I was probably it's made it up the top of the goon with air force ones on. I'll never forget that, man. Holy <laughs> shit! What year was that? I don't even know. I it was like
1: 07. Yeah. Yeah. 07. Like, have you ever done
0: a hike like that since?
1: Yeah. I've done hikes. I, 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 you know, I get outside, I don't do anything. You know, we don't have anything on Long Island that's anywhere yeah. near as steep as that, but, um, yeah. You know, I try to stay as active as I can. I'm, the, one, I'm not-
0: the one thing I would lo- I love about you two minutes, I'm glad I wait to go back on the phone right now is that you have never, ever been shy. One that you love and play tennis, which is amazing thing about somebody in Madball bah- and New York Harker plays tennis. And two, your love for pop music, like the Atari's good Charlotte, new Found glory. Oh, hell like yeah. you listen to all that music strung out yellow card, um, all these bands that nobody would ever expect in a million years admits from Madball was listening to this music and you had such a diverse category of music on your fucking shit, your iPod and shit back then. It was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I always thought that was cool about you. Love that stuff.
1: You know what? I was like, I mean, I grew up with metal and then I moved into hardcore, you know, at a, a, a couple of years after I found metal. So, but I'm still talking like, you know, I started listening to hardcore when I was like 14. Yeah. Um, but then like in my twenties I had a roommate that I was living with in the early nineties who was into all that fat record stuff. Like, gotcha. you know, no, he, he came up, he was a hardcore dude as well, but he came up with like with a little bit more of the punk side of things. So he liked like bad religion and those all the, you know, like all those fat record bands were, I feel like they kind of stemmed from that, um, California style of things like bad religion is a perfect example of those totally. and um but all those bands you just named like the strung out no effects mm-hmm. were the first ones um they caught my ear what I liked about it I I you know I had some punk stuff I liked I always tell Kevin seconds that like you were one of the few punk bands I listened to when I was like full-on metalhead yeah uh um, wow. I remember listening to seven seconds they were like an anomaly to me like I didn't listen to anything really similar to that when I was when I was younger, it was like the the most punk to me was maybe I had a couple Black Flag songs on a tape, um, the Misfits, Seven Seconds, and maybe like the Exploited or something like that. But yeah, uh, you know, punk to me like I was as a metalhead and and into metal like more metal hardcore. The punk stuff was kind of like the musicianship on it was a little sloppy, so you know it didn't really always appealed to me but all that second generation west coast punk stuff the the musicianship was like metal like yeah, all those yeah, bands yeah. could play yeah. and the, the right hand picking on those bands was was amazing and i was just blown away like strung out to this day blow my mind with the, some of the riffs they've got They're a speed metal band basically playing punk rock mm-hmm. um you know and the you know no effects same thing like those guys are ripping on guitar Super so tight. all those bands like Yeah. They all, they all appeal to me like that. Um, you know, and I like the melody of it too. I never had any problem with that. So yeah, I love that. You know, I always, variety was always really important to me. You know, it's like, you can, if you listen to the same music, you're going to, you're going to be a stale musician. 100%. You
0: know, if you
1: listen, especially if you listen to the same stuff you play.
0: Yeah. And I mean,
1: I mean, you know, all of us, I'd like to think we all have a very diverse palette of music. 100%. but I just my thing was I never had any guilty pleasures to me because I never had any guilt. Yeah. So I'd listen to the most bubblegum pop punk band in the world and love it, and at the same time I listened to you know the darkest death metal you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Um. You know I it's uh, music is music to me. I'm not trying to prove nothing to anybody.
0: I mean you and Crown of Thorns. You know how much Isaac loved uh, the Cranberries and the Sundays. And I love that band. Oh, those hell bands yeah. Too. And then I was telling Freddie Fred, on the Hazen Street tour. Freddie got me to Coldplay and changed my life. Like you never expect Freddie Malibu got me into Coldplay. Like people think that like you get off tour from playing hardcore for fucking three weeks or fucking two months and you get in your car, and you put a demo tape on or some hardcore and you're blasting hardcore in your everyday life. <laughs> it's not reality, man. It's like, you want to try something else. Obviously yeah, you, you got to
1: you change your, change your uh, flavors up.
0: That, that, I think that's what keeps inspiring to write music too, is not listening to the same shit over and over again either, you know? Yep. I think th- those are good stories, man. I think we got some good shit on here. Yeah, man. Good. Alright bro, good talking to you again, I'll probably have you on again in a couple of hours, a couple of minutes
1: <laughs> Yeah man, anytime you think of any War stories, you know, whatever, yeah. I've got a million Of them, I could I could come up with a hundred Of just like the clean ones I know, telling, I like the
0: clean you know. versions, yeah
1: Alright buddy, bye right, peace, bye All right,
0: later. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening um, Please rate, review uh, Subscribe, if you haven't subscribed yet To this podcast, please do that And whatever platform you are listening to this on I'm glad you found me, you can rate me And review me on there also so thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.